Welcome to the Broken to Unbroken podcast with Dr. Nick Askey, where we dive deep into how to eliminate pain and continue to train. Welcome to episode 22 of the Broken to Unbroken podcast. This should have been episode 19 or 20, episode 20 with Jason Spragans. Uh, he was polite enough to come drink more scotch and eat more meat uh, because this mm. is a very prototypical and stereotypical dog ate my homework, but the internet ate our homework. Uh, we recorded a great 45-minute episode, and it was lost forever. It was way better than this one's going to be. Uh, <laughs> it, hopefully, this is not RG3's uh, second season. Uh, and hopefully, we get better with uh, repetitions here. So, Jason is a Highland Games competitor. Uh, I've known him for, what, four or five years now? Yeah. Probably a little bit more. Yeah, five, uh, introduced me to the, the wonders of Texas country and uh, throwing large objects, even though I haven't actually done it myself. So uh, just let us know where you grew up, uh, what your background is athletically, and just kind of give us uh, a taste of who we'll be listening to. Uh, South Texas. I, I kind of grew up everywhere, but I, we settled there when I was young and and uh, down on a little map dot uh, about 100 miles from Houston. Um, Vanderbilt's the name of the town. I was infantry in the army for for uh, eight years. After playing high school football, I got out, um, played some uh, semi pro football. No, no throwing or track and field background, but um, that was pretty much it. Always been uh, fitness has always been a part of it. Just for my job, various careers have always involved not being a you know fat ass that can't get out of bed. Yeah. Got to be able to move around a little bit. So exactly. So what do you, are you going to watch or attend the new football team here in San Antonio? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Houston Texans fan and I try to keep myself tunnel vision yeah. there. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go be, I'll probably give it a shot. I yeah. don't, don't want to be disappointed. These XFL things, they never work out, you know? Yeah, and I guess the guy that's putting together this league has been really tossing it around for 20 years to do it right. Well, Daryl uh, Johnson's involved in this one, right? Yeah. He's like the GM or something. Yeah, they have a lot of big-name coaches for these teams, too. It's it's pretty crazy to where they have a lot of uh, retired college coaches that have won national titles. And well, maybe Stoops is coaching. Is he the XFL coach, or is he coaching one of these teams? I don't know. So I should I, give I it. Be, I, should, I should give it more of a chance, probably. I'm... Yeah. So as far as athletic background, uh, and what got you into the 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 Highland Games? What is it? Let's just kind of go through what the events are, and then what attracted you to it. I got into it. Uh, there's a Scottish festival in just north of San Antonio on Helotus, uh, San Antonio's you know Scottish festival Highland Games, and me and the family went. You know several years and I would just watch and uh I had no idea about it at all and I just ran across a guy you know flipping a telephone pole over and I was like what the hell are these guys doing and so the kids and everybody took off and and did the rest of the festival and I just kind of planted myself there because I like you know 
weird things. And this was about as weird as it got. People were throwing, you know, bags of twine over bars and throwing, you know, 56 pounds as high as they can over bars. And I don't know, it was just intriguing. A few years into it, um, we went back every year. Um, that was my excuse was to go watch these guys. And, uh, and, uh, a few years into it, I saw a guy that I knew from work and he was doing it competing in one of the, you know, novice groups. And so I had no idea before that how to get into it. I never, they're not really super accessible to guys at the event. So never went and talked to any of them. <laughs> and, uh, I went and asked him about it and he just kind of got me, got my feet wet and got me rolling told me what I need to do to get started. And uh, it's basically just find a rock and throw said rock. And then you, you've started, you know. So what is the the history behind the, the Highland Games? Uh, it's a point of contention. So there's many stories. People tell silly ones. The most believable one that, that, that I, the one that I tend to retell because it's believable is, um, so 2,000 years ago, Highlands of Scotland, everybody's fighting over, you know, good farmland, good grazing land, um, passageway to, you know, water points and things like that for their livestock. And uh, all these clans are kind of fighting among each other while, you know, having to fight, you know, the other powers that be at the time also. And they kind of decided, well, we're, you know, we're killing each other, we're injuring each other. Uh, we got a bunch of guys that can't work and can't contribute because we're always fighting among each other. Um, there's a lot of things that they did anyway, when they got together, um, a lot of these different events, uh, they would do throwing stones. You saw it on Braveheart. They kind of depicted it there. They throw that for, you know, accuracy distance. They had, you know, what you might call a manhood stone, you know, in each one of these little places that you would travel to and, and, uh, um, they would throw that a big, big old rock. Um, and so they use that, that competition to kind of meet out their differences instead of killing each other. Yeah. And if I remember when we went to Scotland, there, there's plenty of rocks to play games with <laughs> yeah. out there. Cause it is just one big rock. <laughs> that, the, yeah, they that. make their fences out of stone and they're just like piled up. And you see this like stone fence that's miles long that yeah, just see, goes up and snakes up a hill. You see the, the Rogue has a has a little mini documentary called Stoneland. It's called it's part of their I think it's a spinoff of Strongland. I think I, I haven't watched all of them, but it shows just throughout. You can go throughout Scotland and find that you know manhood stones that you have to pick up and place, shoulder carry. The Denny stones are there, so that's always been a, a huge. Uh, it's just a huge part of the culture, just strength, competition, you know, some kind of athleticism. It's like geocaching for strong people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> so what is your favorite event and what is your least favorite event to compete in? Uh, my, my favorite event is, is Caber. That's the only event that I can, I can, uh, I can honestly say that I'm, I'm very good at. Um, everything else I'm kind of, I have to be kind of a jack of all trades, just try to hang on. Um, I would, so I would say that one or, or heavyweight for distance. Um, least favorite is sheaf, but I'm joined by 
you know, every other Island Games athlete. Can you explain that one? Sheaf is a a made up event, in my opinion, that uh, we only do here. They don't do it in Scotland. And you take a pitchfork and you jam it into a burlap sack filled with twine that's supposed to replicate um, hay. And they used, it's derived from bringing in the sheaves, is what they called it. And they would stand, you, you know, the, the little window at the top of the barn, mm-hmm. the little tiny one that the kids dangle their feet out in the Rockefeller pictures. Yeah. Well, they would actually throw those into that hole so they wouldn't have to carry everything up upstairs. And supposedly that's where it comes from. You throw it for height. The crowd loves it. The athletes don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's really crowd friendly because, I mean, it's, it's, it's for height. You've thrown it between some standards. So it's like, you know, a field goal. So there's always that, you know, it'll bounce off the, the bar a little bit or they'll just miss. It was, a, there's always a big, oh, yeah. Know, that factor brings, comes into it. But so that's my least favorite, but I'm not alone. So the, how many total events are there? There's eight real events. Okay. And then there's nine with the sheaf. Okay. Um, uh, they, they're all, you, you've seen a lot of very similar ones in the Olympics. So you see the wire hammer in the Olympics. Well, the Scots hammer is like that start and finish. Just the middle part is different. You can't move your feet, you're stationary. Okay. Um, you throw a 16 pound hammer and then a 22 pound hammer. Um, stones, you have a 22 to 26 pound Braemar stone. You throw that standing, it's like shot put. So everybody, it's all, it's all very recognizable when you go to the game. It's not like you're completely lost you kind of pick up some of it um uh the 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 heavy stone you you have to throw standing you know uh stationary you can't move your feet and then the open stone is just like a glide or or you know full spin msa uh shot put that you see uh in in shot put competition and then the weights are big hunks of metal on the end of chain and uh, it resembles uh discus a whole lot uh, if they're either 56 pounds, uh, 42 pounds or 28 for men. Okay. And what is, is there a, a decent youth population that is coming up that is doing this and what are the, the different, and just because I have a hard time, like, I don't know, uh, what you have to do to go from, uh, amateur or novice to pro. Uh, is there different weight classes? Uh, are there youth divisions, things like that? I, I want, I wish more, more games would involve youth actual com- competing. Um, I know it's difficult to do. I know there's a, there's a safety issue. You have to have different implements. You got to get a, you know, a six pound weight to throw and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think it's worth it to grow the sport. And, um, I plan on as I get into my, my years where I'm going to be, you know, maybe running games, um, having my own game. Uh, that's definitely going to be a part of it. Uh, there are different divisions. There, uh, some games, uh, Scott Fest in, in uh, Oklahoma uh, does a, a great job of having youth divisions. Um, as far as the adults go, you've got novice C class. Um, you progress to B and then A. The A class are your, are your, your best, the, the best of those guys are, are, uh, looking to be pro. Um, and you, usually there's, you know, North South game. Um, so some of the bigger games, you know, you win a national title, 
then, then you're looking to, to move up to the pro ranks, uh, Pleasanton, some of those bigger games. There's a, there's a super A class and those are guys that are just really just waiting for room to become a pro. They just haven't made the move yet, but they're a lot of times they come up super fast. Uh, Colin Dunbar is a, a name that jumps out. Um, he, he came from, he's an Olympic hammer thrower, elite level team USA type. And he's just, he, you know, as soon as he jumped into it, he's crushing people. That guy can't start as a C because he, he, he beat everybody. He's, he's huge. He's six, eight, 300 pounds, moves like a cat. <clears throat> and from there you've got, you've got master's classes. Um, um, and then the more elite masters will compete in the bigger games. A lot of those guys are former pros, um, pro strongmen, NFL players, uh, ex-CFL players, any kind of big strength athlete you can think of there and there. Um, then your pros are, are generally a little bit younger guys, um, but, but, but seasoned, most of them. Um, and that's just the next level. You're getting paid to play everywhere you go. They're, they're putting you up, they're flying you there. And those guys are just freaks, freaks of nature. So when we talk about the pros and I have one point to make before we, we talk about that, but uh, I see a lot of gymnasts and a lot of acrobats or acro gymnasts mm -hmm. and a lot of those kids, they just get injured so much or they get too tall or they get too heavy if they're a top and they just, they, they have to retire just because it's not fun for them anymore. And these are kids that have competed in China, in Poland, in Switzerland, like all over the world on, on the big stage in like, they're used to throwing hundred pound humans over their head and like holding them like yeah. dead still and then dropping into the splits. Like I, I think that those girls would be fantastic at the sport just because strength to body weight ratio and just like having body control and no fear uh, I, and they have very explosive hips and they're, they just have, if you can hold a human being over your yeah. head, you can probably balance a caber and throw it. Absolutely. And that's, that's honestly, that's become one of my favorite things to watch is the, is the women's classes, especially the elite women. Cause they are, they're, they're every kind of body type you can, you can imagine, but you're right. All of them have those, those same characteristics. Some of them are a little bit have a little bit more mass, a little bit stronger. There's some real strong, real strong ladies. And, uh, but they all have those characteristics. They're explosive from you know, A to B. They're, um, they've got great hips. They've got, they've got a, a real proportionate build. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, rings, gymnast types. Yeah. Um, real powerful legs. I don't know. They're, they're awesome to watch and, we, we talk about this all the time with some of, some of my buddies that are in the sport is how to reach out and grab guys and pull them into the sport to grow it. Uh, and it is growing exponentially, but you don't ever want to stop pushing for that. Um, if you love something and, um, and that's, that's something that I think that the, the ladies could tap into, um, is those type of athletes. So what is the, the stereotypical build for someone who's very good at the sport? Because, you, you look at like CrossFit, like you get most of the, the elite male competitors are between 190 and 220 pounds. They're between five, nine and six, two. 
Any taller, it's a disadvantage. Any shorter, it's a disadvantage. Any lighter, you're not going to be able to move the big deadlift weight. You're not going to do well on the clean and jerk ladder. Uh, What is your typical like body type for like the Michael Jordans of the sport? Michael Jordan. So that that's the Spencer Tyler of our sport. That's that's the guys. I'll use him basically. an NFL offensive lineman, like an active NFL offensive lineman, incredible feet, great feet, um, elite feet, uh, really strong, explosive. They'll have a, you know, you know, three to 400 pound power clean, um, is nothing. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's strict pressing, you know, well over 400 pounds, um, a 500 pound bench, um, no mistaking that he's that he's an athlete, but he look, he's a, he's a big fella. He doesn't he's a, he's not a five percent body fat guy. But there are exceptions. We have you know Andy Vincent's another. He's been top pro for a long time, and he used to play in the NFL. But he's I mean he's looking. I didn't see a lot a lot of I haven't seen any shirtless photos of him when he was you know playing. But uh, but uh, he's you know he's he's lean and he he doesn't really fit that mold. Uh, right now is more of an, uh, you know, a Barry White underwear model type. Now I hope he hears that. <laughs> yeah. um, so it kind of runs, you know. But if you're looking for the Michael Jordan, it's going to be usually that guy, the Spencer Tyler. You know. Yeah, the mass moves mass. It yeah. gives you a little bit of leverage to be thicker. Yeah, and um, and, and, and at least a at least a ten inch long beard. Oh uh, yes, That's of just, course. You have to have that. You know, if you don't, then I don't, I think that helps them hold the stone. Yeah. The bigger, more misshapen stones. I think it's cheating, but you know, whatever. So let's go into some of the training specifications as far as uh, how you train for this, because it seems like you have to have very explosive hips. You have to have great proprioception to balance things and rotate and generate power that way with your feet planted in some instances and then with creating momentum in others. So how do you train to where it, obviously you need to throw to get better at throwing. Yeah, You need to do the event specific things to get better at those events. But how do you supplement that in the gym with your, your just general gym training to, to build up your general physical preparedness to where it, it translates to your sport specific stuff. The, uh, Olympic lifts, you know, plyo stuff. Um, uh, just a lot of for anything where you, when you're, when you're doing the movement, you're thinking force application, you know, so this is something that I can do fast. Even if that block of training, you're moving maximum weight, you know, uh, it's usually going to be your, your snatch, your snatch high pulls if you don't want to go overhead if you want to kind of preserve yourself in the season uh same thing for clean or just the high pulls get to triple extension um you can't neglect you know speed work actually going and doing sprints um going back to spencer is a great example he's six six i'm not cutting him short 320 to 340 depending on what he's eating that week and he'll 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 stand flat-footed dunk a basketball so you, you have to be fast and you have to be strong. So, you know, people train differently. I, I, I tend to think that 
um, coming into the, the game late, I think that what has helped me get to a respectable, you know, ranking or level, however, you know, official those are in this sport uh, is focusing on Olympic lifts. And then your, your core three, you know, bench, deadlift, squat, you can't leave those alone, but you have to move weight fast. Yeah. You have to build the fast twitch, like your, your deadlift and squat will give you the mass and well, we've got guys, we've got guys, 800 pound bench that I can throw a stone. I have no business pushing any weight any further than that guy. But, but you know, you have to train sports specific. Yeah. And, um, as they say, you know, you throw, you throw yourself into shape, you get strong in the gym, but then you throw yourself into throwing shape. That's the only way to do it. That'd be interesting <laughs> to see what would happen if, uh, we got you into like Phil Jansen's gym, uh, explosive sports performance. Cause he's doing stuff with, uh, muscle oxygen sensors that measure the blood flow to the muscle. Uh, he does force plate analysis to where you could see how much force you're generating into the ground. Um, in he cut his teeth early on in baseball, uh, and, and that's a rotational sport. So you're, you're going to get, you, you're going to generate more power in rotation if you are good at working with baseball players, because if you just give, uh, someone who needs to generate rotational power, a CrossFit workout, it's not going to work. Um, and just because you can do CrossFit in a phone booth, yeah. like it's all that the same plane and you need to train what we call the transverse plane to generate rotational power yeah. and get obliques firing or do a, like almost like a Titleist performance Institute rotational power program. There's a guy on San Pedro, uh, at that par three course and driving range yeah. that trains a lot of the long drive guys, mm -hmm. like the guys that they, they look like John Daly they, they can't putt or chip to save their yeah. ass, but they can drive a ball 400 yards with a really long driver. And he's giving them like a bunch of rotational power exercises because every like five miles an hour, a club speed gives you so many yards on your drive. Yeah. And I tell people that that, that translate, a lot of that translates like that. We've got pro Highland games athletes that look a lot like John Daly. They're sneaky, strong, sneaky, fast, but, um, they, they've, that, that rotational power, that power through the hips. Um, if guys are starting out and they used to play quarterback, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll tell them that it's the same thing as throwing a, you know, throwing a max fade, you know, you know, kind of chucking it out there. You, you know, you're going to have your chest big and up. Um, you're you're going to block your left side. Um, and your hips got to go first um, and you got to follow through, you know. So all, all of that stuff and same with golf, you know, hips first, a lot of that stuff translates directly to throwing, especially, you know, stones and weights. And you probably would benefit from uh, a lot of like asymmetrical unilateral training because that's going to force you to engage in oblique because if you do a, a single-sided suitcase carry, you have to activate that opposite side oblique. Right. Granted, it's not fast twitch, but it's going to build endurance. So well, you have to have those bases. Like yeah. you, you can't can't get you can't just not deadlift. Yeah, and and you can't you can't not train static stuff and and core. You, you know, if you go out there and just do cleans every day and and throw <clears> shot, you're 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 going to end up getting injured. You're not going to be very good. And there's a lot of high school football coaches that I'll, I'll have a discussion with. And they're like, I'm like, why don't you have the kids deadlifting? 
and they're like, because it's slow twitch and we'd rather do power cleans because it's fast twitch and it translates more to football. I'm like, well, why do you have them benching then? Yeah. I'm like, that's slow twitch. And they're like, well, you get, they got to push guys away from them if they're on the line. I'm like, well, why but do you, don't you have use your quarterback your core when you push? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, but okay. a lot of them using their legs to push. Okay. Let's not get crazy. I'm like, none of these kids can hip hinge. And I think they avoid the deadlift like the plague because they're afraid of kids getting hurt because you yeah. get a bunch of kids that are just like raging bags of hormones in the weight room and they just go and they try and lift more than their buddies and i'm not a football blocking doctor but i think that when you're when you're when you're throwing a good block you get into kind of a half that lift position right yeah if you're doing it right yeah again i'm not a doctor yes <laughs> so we we know that you need explosive hips um uh, rotational power and you just need to you need to spend some time in the gym to get strong and then throw yourself into shape. Yeah, you definitely have off season training and then you have you know, you get tuned up for the games that you wanna get tuned up for and that's when you start moving fast. So how have you gotten creative with your training to kind of get around some injuries that you've had with competing at a high level? And In- injuries happen uh happen quite often in the sport we're lucky to have uh the ways that we move a lot of the catastrophic stuff isn't happening um you'll you'll get a knee and you'll get stuff every now and then but um um, generally you're gonna you're gonna be working through injuries through the whole year um matt vincent's he's been a really good uh uh i want to say inspiration because it sounds like i have a crush on him but He's, he's, he's been really good to kind of guide me through working around injuries. I see him do it and he's had some bad ones. So, you know, he, he basically threw on no knee for at a very elite level world championship level for a long time. And he's, he's always preaching, do what you can do today. You know, if he's on one leg, he's, he's killing the assault bite with the other leg, you know, uh, uh, people will get injured. I think, not really a secret. You get injured and you still go do what you can do. If you're in traction and you can move your right arm, move your right arm. I, I mean, it's an extreme example, but I think what people, depression factor comes into it when you're a competitive athlete and you get injured. It's inevitable. But if you will keep your, if you'll keep yourself moving or goal oriented, you know, if it's going up one stair the next day, um, I think that's going to, that's going to keep you a, a little bit more fired up and out of the, out of the weeds, you know, getting all down on yourself. If you're laying on the couch, you're not getting anything done. It's only going to get worse. It, it's a slow process. You know, you can't just quit. It doesn't, it's not going to speed it up as they say. And I tend to take kind of a stoic philosophy when people get injured and they get depressed or they get kind of in a pity party of one, uh, I'm like, you could either sit on a beanbag eating Cheetos and go watch and be a Netflix marathoner. Yeah, or watch your videos of you throwing yeah. before and then you're sitting there not doing anything. Yeah. Or you can go, okay, what do I suck at? What can I do without hurting myself? Let's go work on that. Yeah. Like I blew my knee out like sprinting with that big horse of a dog out there. Yeah. Uh, and some deer ran across the road and I tore my lateral calf, uh, all the ligaments on the outside of my knee and my meniscus. And like, 
I had to lecture the next day. You just day. run him with your dog. Yeah. And like, it was, it was bad because he pulled me so fast that my glasses flew off 20 feet into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. Well, for the people that never seen his dog, he's bigger than my, uh, my first car. So yeah. It's not, it's not like he was walking a Shih Tzu outside. So <laughs> I like, I had to lecture the next day to a bunch of doctors and I fell three times in the shower and like for a week, if I stepped on the cord of my table, like it would buckle my knee, Ugh. but I could do a kettlebell swing. So I looked up and I did Dan John's 10,000 kettlebell swing workout with some upper body breakups. Now you told me and about that. Like, awesome. It was just like, okay, I could just lay on my back and feel sorry for myself and use it as an excuse or a cop out to not be active. Or I can find something that like is fun to do and I can do it and like my grip strength went up, my deadlift went up, I lost weight, I stayed in shape. And that's what you need to, to do when you get injured is just go, okay, what can I do without irritating it? And or what are my weaknesses that I ignore when I'm not hurt? Yeah. Like and core strength, balance, grip strength, things like that. And that's a perfect example. And if it does keep you out of the fog, like going back to Matt, hanging out with him, even when he was in his you know, he knew his knee was on a timer. You know, he knew he was, there was at some point in the near future, he was going to have to call it hanging up from, from the games and he loves it. I know he does, but you go hang out with him and he's a riot. You know, he, he stays in a good mood because he, I, that, that philosophy really does carry over uh, in, into everything else. If you will stay motivated in the sport that you love, if you are an athlete, you're competitive, keep yourself doing something while you're injured it, it's going to bleed over into everything else. And I'm not trying to be preachy because I've been in dark spots recently, suffering through injuries and just trying to work around them and get to big games, knowing that I'm not training how I should be just because I'm limited. It, it, it's tough. I just, that's something you got to keep in, in the front of your mind. And everybody's on an even playing field when it comes to just flat out bad luck. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you can't control that. And you can't dwell on it after it happens. You just control what you can control. And you go in as good as you can, even if you got dealt a rough hand. You just go in, you enjoy it. Um, as far as, like, big games, you went to Worlds in Germany, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that experience, what you learned, what you what you did outside of competition that was was worth noting? Uh so I went with my, well, sh with my fiance, uh, uh, another buddy of mine who, uh, 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 works for the, one of the companies that sponsors me, he went over with me, um, and another friend of ours and uh, worlds, the, the experience was, was amazing. We going into it, you, you know, you know who the top dogs are and who you're going to be chasing. Um, but, but seeing some of those. There's always the unknowns, and the, I don't know if if uh, if you know this, but in Germany, sh shot put field events is like baseball here. It's like a national pastime. They've got every division and class you can imagine, and they're all amazing at it. And so these guys are out there, you know, having been Olympic trial finalists or in the Olympics, and I'm supposed to throw stones against them, and it's just ridiculous. But I I become like a spectator at that point. Um, you know, I took fifth out of you know. 12 guys. So I feel like I, I, I out through myself going into it. You know, when you think about it ahead of time, 
I went in ranked eighth. Um, but some events, they they, especially the stone events, um, and some of the hammer, just those guys are are nuts, man. I mean, it was a really cool experience. We traveled, we, we went from there and went to uh, uh, the Black Forest, uh, visited there, bought us a cuckoo clock. I think that's the thing to do there. Yeah. We went to uh, Salzburg, Austria. If you've never been there, it's fucking beautiful. It's completely preserved because the uh, in World War II, the mayor decided to not be a hard ass. And when the Germans came rolling in, he was like, if y'all just not wreck anything, you can have it. And it worked out for him. So all the, the architecture is preserved. It's one of the most gorgeous places on the planet it has to be. And then we went to Prague Zoo and and visited the, the, the city in Prague uh, for another four or five days. Uh, and that was gorgeous also. They do it better than we do here. Architecture, you know, preserving historical architecture there. And you get to pet hippos. <laughs> I don't know how many people have died before I went or since, but it's more than a few. They don't have any, there's no regulations. If you go to the zoo there, it's the best zoo I've ever been to. I'm not talking bad about it. But if I can stick my hand in a hippo tank, I think widely regarded the most dangerous animal on the planet. And if I can put my hand in it that's not the safest thing so either, either they don't have rules or i'm you know i'm the only guy over five feet there because i could just stick, i could dangle it in there and the hippo just comes up i didn't think there has to be another barrier you yeah. know a few feet in the water this game was not made by Mattel. he's right on me hippos. <laughs> you get on these you get on this chain this lift and there's 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 chains on it like it's like seat belts but they don't stop the thing there's a guy with a cigarette in each hand pushing buttons. <laughs> he's literally got two of them, and he's smoking like this. Like the guy from Jurassic like a, Park. Like a camel non-filter <laughs> and some kind of black and mild. <laughs> back and forth. Backwoods. <laughs> and, and he's like a like a jerk, like a like a Czech hillbilly. I don't I don't know if that's a thing, but so you you get on these moving things, and he just like waves you on, and you know you don't have the seatbelt. You're going over this the, the tiger enclosure. You know it's ten feet below you. You know. What if you do fall out? They didn't check my seatbelt. <laughs> I'm freaking out at this place, but it was, it was, uh, I will go back. I won't take my kids, you know, any, any young children won't go with me, but I will go back to see it. Go sober. Cause you wander right into a, a lion cage. Yeah. It's easy to do. It's just, it's just a knob. You just pull it and walk in. <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but. <laughs> so. I was excited for you when you posted that you got invited to Arnold's. Uh, can you tell us about that upcoming and what you're expecting up there? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I haven't been able to train the way I want to, um, but I'm for some reason I'm still super excited about it. I think I think I, I think I might pull something out of my out of my ass up there. We'll see. But. Um, so basically they take, they take the top guys and, and, and these, and these, and, and their ladies, uh, in their classes and they bring them up to, um, there and they, they rank them by the events that they throw there. Obviously inside we can't throw, you know, Spencer can't throw hammers, you know, uh, well, a lot of those guys, nobody can throw a hammer there. Um, cause you're in kind of a small space, but you, you got, you know, a hundred thousand people milling through there all day long and. So the environment is is nuts, and it's been a bucket list game since they 
since they went back there, especially get, getting to the inside of the convention center. Um, I've wanted to go. I lobby all year long any way that I can to try to just get an eyeball on me to, to be able to go. And, and honestly, that's a, that's been a motivator for me busting my ass to hit certain numbers throwing just so I could be, you know, in the conversation whenever they're um, ranking guys to bring up there. But it's going to be cool. Rogue does a thing about it uh, every year, I think. So you can go back and check it out. Get to beat Arnold, walk through, shake hands. Uh, just the crowd interaction, which is my favorite part of the games, I think. Um, kids coming by, people, you know, talking to people, answering questions about it, getting people interested. I mean, there's no better venue than than that because you are surrounded by people that are interested in, in strength sports. And, you know, for my money, there's not a better strength sport out there. So, so I want you to let people know because a lot of our listeners are in san antonio uh if somebody is just curious uh when is that holotus games so that they could go out and experience it and see it uh what are ways that they can kind of watch these events is there a way to to kind of watch some of the the events at arnold's uh just to get exposure for the sport because i know there's a lot of people locally that have the athletic talent and base to do this, but the sport just needs more exposure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the Helotus games are, uh, Ed Cosner runs it. So anybody in, you know, strength athletics in Texas probably knows who that is. He's running that. He runs that game. It's in April. Uh, April 6th is that Saturday. I know that cause that's the day I'm getting married. Um, so, uh, I won't be there this year unless I can sneak away. I don't know how it works. <laughs> Never been a groom before, but, uh, well, it takes the ladies a lot longer to get ready. So you may be able to like sneak in there beforehand, but cause... I have to shave. I can't shave before I can't throw and not shave. Okay. Or, or I can't shave and then throw. So I've got to shave on the way back in the car. I'll cut myself up. Yeah. So much stuff to plan for. Yeah. Just it. like use some shave oil so you don't get razor bumps. Literally, she heard me talking about this, right? If she was standing at the door listening, I'd, I'd be smoked as soon as we left here. Well, <laughs> she's not here. So she's in the kitchen drinking wine with my wife. So, But, uh, yeah, that, so that's the weekend. They've got they've got stuff going on. The, the festival goes on Friday through Sunday, I think. Uh, maybe even Thursday. I have to look. But the games are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, they usually have a, a novice clinic. So you can go on the website, San Antonio Scottish Festival. Okay. I hope I'm saying it right. If you search it, you'll find it. And uh, show up to the clinic. I tell everybody this. I have never met a better quality of people than I've met in the games. I think I hate like two people, and I don't ever see them. Everybody else is amazing. And uh, so if you, if you show up and say you're interested, next thing you know, somebody's going to hand you a, a kilt. Somebody's going to be, you know, showing you where to put your feet and everybody's super cool and, and, and warm and, and helpful. Even the top pros, Spencer, Spencer Tyler lives in New Braunfels. Um, <clears throat> even the top guys, you know, you can send them a message on social media and, and ask them a question. They may tell you you're not there yet, but start with this. Uh, when you get that down, give me a holler and I'll see if I can maybe look at some video for you or something. Um, and these are, like you said, the Michael Jordan, the sport, they don't have to deal with every amateur that comes up, but they're all super friendly people. 
you can look me up on Instagram. Uh, if you're in San Antonio, send me a message. Um, we'll try to post it somewhere. I don't know how this works, but I'll, I'll see put it if, in the show notes. Yeah, I'll see if I can get in there and then um, just send me send me a message and I'll we'll, I'll show I'll I'll throw with anybody. I'm not the best coach. I'm I'm kind of learning learning by doing, and that's how I got into this. And I'm learning every day, so but I'll help you however I can. And I want to grow the sport, and, uh, and I've, I've, I've tried to be an ambassador for it as much as possible since since uh, since I got addicted to it. So day two, yeah, and uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll help however I can, and, and anybody in the sport will too. You know, throw bros. Hate brand, hate brand goods is uh, they've always got you know, they've got their their roots in the island games and throwing. Um, it's all out there. Just spend some time and know that that you are welcome. So, what is your Instagram? Are there any sponsors that you want to recognize? Uh, just to wrap this up. Yeah, my Instagram's uh, uh, at the kilted dude. Words are separated by underscores. Um, so, like I said, you can message me there, uh, and uh, and I'll I'll be as of as much assistance as I can. And if you're in San Antonio, we can meet up, and I'll show you the implements or walk you through and get you started. Um, Treaty Oak Distiller has been really awesome. They're out in Tripping Springs. Um, they helped me out going to Worlds last year. They keep me in really fine bourbon and gin, and uh, they're local brands. And I'm, I'm I'm a local as fuck guy, man. I, I like to keep to keep things in, in my community estate and I'll spiral out from there all the way to Scotland for some fine scotch for me. Yes. Wife. But, um, uh, and again, uh, heavy metal. I don't know if I mentioned them earlier, but heavy metal gym in San Antonio, uh, pretty much the best strength training gym. It, it is the best strength training gym I've ever been to. And I've been to quite a few and, uh, uh, they've got, they've got strong men, uh, training there, elite strong, uh, strong men, strong women. Um, Jackie Wood is a, she's on the Titan Games right now. Um, as a competitor, she's made it through a couple of rounds, I believe. Um, and she's a she's a pro strong woman. Um, there's several of them there, really elite powerlifters. Um, we've always got guys coming in, Ray Williams. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, pro athletes coming in there just to train with. With some of the, the trainers that they have there, Taylor and Michelle, the owners are amazing, and they've been super helpful and supportive of me um, uh, training and get me get me to games and providing assistance and helping me out with some of their knowledge. It's always good to have a community, man. Yeah, man, you have to. When you gotta put in the work, there's uh, there's value in mutual suffering. So it's good to have good people around you when you're feeling like you're going to yak on your own feet. That's what it is. Just a bunch of sweaty hogs get in there to commiserate together. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's part of the, the reason why you probably have a lot of like long lifelong connections with guys that you served with in the military is a lot of, you're in a lot of like scary situations, a lot of, shitty situations together yeah. so you kind of form that bond and it's pretty powerful it's the same idea and if you have a if you have a place like like heavy metal or gym wherever you train and you know some some people can train alone all year long but if you can get a group of people just to be around you, know, you don't have to sit there and bullshit and waste fucking time and sit on sit there and, and talk about life all day but just be around people that are kind of going through the same things working around injuries like we were saying 
everybody's got something going on there and I don't know, it, it, it's helpful just to get that feed off, you know, everybody else's juice. Yep. Anything else you want to mention before we wrap this thing up and go cook some, cook some uh, dead cow? I, I kind of hope that you delete this thing again by accident or whatever happened. Like I hope that it's broken because I'm getting some really good scotch over here. Yeah. And then I have to raise the bar on, <laughs> on the, the meat. That we and got. next time we're going to have a fucking pig in the ground. Who knows? Yeah. What yeah. <laughs> Hawaiians dancing around the hole out in the front got yard. A DJ, yeah, Hell a bunch yeah. of banana leaves. Let's get rid of this computer. Let's do it. Do it again. Do it again. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And I will post Jason's contact information in the show notes.